Thanks for tuning in to the Beyond the Mirable podcast. My name is Chrissy Simonakis and I'm your host. And over the past 20 years, I've spent a fair amount of my time on the dance floor listening to house music and loving it. From punter to promoter, door bitch and artist liaison, I've had the pleasure of touring some of the biggest acts, artists and working at some pretty cool clubs around the place. It's not all glitz and glamour though and I hate to kill your vibe, but... The entertainment industry can be tough, cutthroat, and a little bit dramatic. During those years in Clubland, I kept a pretty comprehensive account of some of the craziness that went down, and believe me when I say some of this shit is wild. But the juicy stuff, well, I'm saving that for a book that I'm still writing. In this, the podcast, we talk to artists, producers, label heads, and performers I know I've worked with. You know them from their music, but get to know them unlike you ever have before, because beyond the mirrorball, it's not all it seems. This week, we're chatting with artist, producer, and label head of Hot Sunday Records, Carla Castle. So, get ready for it. The podcast starts. Hey, how's it going? Hi, good. How are you going? Not too bad. Sorry, I had like Spotify cranking. I was like, ah! <laughs> like having a dance party before you got here. <laughs> um, I'm just going to turn my phone off because it will ring. Yeah. It's annoying. It's a good idea. How's the shed going? Your, yeah, good. Uh, really good. Yeah, cool. Yeah, awesome. Just got uh, my stepdad doing everything today just putting up the plasterboards and then um, basically just waiting for a friend of mine to come and uh, write the, the PowerPoints and, and lights in oh, and cool. just laid all the cable and everything. Yeah. My, I'm really lucky. My stepdad um, has built houses before. Okay. Awesome. So um, he's built like three houses. And so when I moved in, he's like, Oh, you need a studio. Cause I'm like in a tiny room here. It's so. Hey Christian. Thanks so much for joining us today. How are you going down in Melbourne? Yeah. Yeah, pretty good. Just in uh, the country here, it's a beautiful day. <laughs> Lovely. And I see you've uh, been doing some manual labour and getting out and about, doing all the yes. things. 
my so hands, you... my poor soft DJ hands are finally uh, got some scratches and calluses on them. <laughs> I know. So for everyone else that doesn't know or might not be following you on socials, um, what have you been up to lately? Um, so basically I moved from, we've got, st obviously stage four happened in Victoria. So I moved out of stage four to stage three up with family in country Victoria where uh, you can leave the house for longer than an hour. Plus I'm on um, three and a half acres here, which is really, really, really good. Um, so we can even just run around the property if we need to. And uh, I've got my dog, my dogs have been living up here because when the lockout lock-ins hit, I had to move and I moved in with dad and like, they've got a pool and French bulldogs can't swim. And I'm like, I'm just not yep. putting my dogs in a position where anything could happen to them. I wouldn't sleep for probably the whole time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they came up to mum's and then eventually after too long at dad's, I'm like, nah, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> um, I came up here and, yeah, everyone's kind of like working and doing things up here. So it's a bit more like normal life. Yeah. And how the dog's finding farm life. Oh my God. Like I'm, I, I, I can never move back to like suburbia. Like I'm going to have to be a country person for the rest of my life. Like I'm, <laughs> I'll be buying a property based on what my dog's like. They'll be coming to in open house inspections. With me. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, heaps of room for them to play around. So thanks so much for chatting with us. Um, I listened to your tunes and I um, actually reached out because I was listening to Spotify and the release radar came up um, and I was like, whoa, what is this? Who is it? And I quickly looked and it was yours. And um, I was like, okay, cool. We should definitely talk. Um, That's what I like to hear. Yes, you're doing a good job. So talk to us about um, the name Colour Castle and what's the story behind that? Yeah, so basically I wanted something kind of original and unique. Um, previously, my DJ name was Chris Coast. <laughs> uh, I was DJing at Airlie Beach and playing, and playing party music and stuff. And so when I created a name, I had like CC in mind just to like kind of move from one to the other, but still have some sort of consistency uh, or something to remember it by. So I kept putting different um, combinations of words together, starting with both starting with C. And then it ended up with Colour Castle and I just Googled it, couldn't find anything. No one had ever put any music out. They were the same amount of letters. And the reason I wanted like a funky name is just to like, at first I wanted a bit of mystery behind it. I didn't want people to know it was me. Um, so I didn't tell anyone it was me for the first like six months to eight months. And I also wanted it to be able to be a group. Like if I found a singer I really liked, they could join Colour Castle, become part of the band. And I wouldn't need to like add any extra names to it. Yeah, cool. Um, I always love hearing origin stories and I love that there is that opportunity to still grow. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, and I find coming up with a name is always super hard. And like, sometimes people are like, Hey, what's the reason behind it? And we're like, <laughs> Hey man, it was just all these letters on a page and you, then you just get it. And it's really comes down to, well, has anyone else actually ever done anything? Cause otherwise I'm screwed. So many artists for my label um, find out that there's another artist already with their name and it just like makes things so complicated. Yeah. One of their tracks ends up on someone else's profiles and it's just a nightmare to consolidate. Yeah. So yeah, if you have to make something original. Yeah. So you've been DJing around traps for a long time. Um, you were telling me that, you know, you've done, um, you know, touring in early and then, you know, lots of hospitality. Yeah. Um, what made you decide to delve into the production side of things? Because there are a lot of people who are just totally cool just to play other people's music. Um, but then there's yeah. this fire inside them. What was the, um, the transition to do more from your perspective? I think I always wanted to make music. I never did. Like, I don't, don't have, like, that traditional story of I've been playing 
piano from before I was born, like most people. But <laughs> um, no, I've always wanted to, but never did anything about it. And then when I got to Ellie Beach, I started DJing and then I just partied for pretty much five years. And then finally I decided, okay, I've got to do something. Um, so I started to learn a bit, but I just learned by myself and I was terrible. So I yeah. sort of put it in there for two years. And then I ended up moving to Sydney and kind of like was doing quite a few different things, but realized that I'm not really going to get anywhere unless I actually start to really focus on making music. So I just made it kind of a priority and it was terrible for a couple of years. And then I finally got the hang of it. And um, yeah, just kind of like something I've always wanted to do, but never, never did. And finally got around to doing it. Yeah. Wicked. And what would advice would you give to people who are in that same situation? So, you know, want to tinker, you know, they always, you know, people are quick to say, Oh, making music is easy. And <laughs> it's, it's not, you have to put the work in, right. You have to put the effort in, you have to learn the skills. Yeah. Just treat it like learning an instrument, get, get a teacher, get a production mentor, get someone who knows what they're doing. I yep. see them in real life, which is great. If you can get into the studio with them uh, or do a zoom, I think one-on-one is the key here. Like I, I haven't done any production courses. Like, you know, I know there's Ableton Live courses where it's like probably 20 people in a room. That's mm-hmm. not the way I learn. I learn one-on-one. Yep. Um, you probably spend less money doing it one-on-one as well because you will learn quicker and need less lessons. So uh, we've got like a little, if you jump on Facebook, we've got a little community called Hot Sunday Records Artist Hub. And if people jump into that, they can find all these different teachers at all different levels and all YouTube videos and they can ask questions and all that sort awesome. of thing. Yeah, amazing. That's a nice little community there. Um, Yeah, definitely. Who would you say you've been influenced with? And obviously that changes as as time goes on and things evolve. But are there any uh, key influences that, you know, stuck with you or influenced the tunes you're making? Yeah, definitely. I think, like, originally it would have been just quite, like, because I basically was playing kind of party fun music as Chris Coates until... Uh, Disclosure kind of blew up and then as soon as I heard house music it was like MK and Disclosure jumped onto the scene again where MK is like you know obviously music in the 90s but I didn't know that I was born in 1990 (laughs) (laughs) Um, so originally what influenced that house vibe was Disclosure and MK and they just like opened Pandora's box and now I'm like finding you know these Doc Martin mixtapes and like DJ Dan and like um, Mark Farina and all these mixtapes from the 90s from like when I was like you know, two you years make, old. Or something. You make me sound. You make me sound old. I'm like, fuck. Uh, well, I've here. got like um, Dick Johnson or Magic J from New Zealand, who's released on Play It Down and all sorts of other labels. He was sending me his Hacienda house mixes from 1993, and like he releases wow. on my label. <laughs> I was three pro- years old. And they're probably like, I um, my dad like actually was cleaning up our shed because I'm from rural South Australia, and like yeah. actually found like old mixtapes, and they were like bootlegs from like pirate radio stations that would play dance music like only one day a week and dad's like do you want these i'm like yes keep them like, yes <laughs> yes they were something oh you should put them online you should actually well, yeah you should put them, yeah. them online well i had to buy like i have to buy like a tape deck because you oh, know I kind yeah of i've got one i found one yeah well there's ones now that you can get that actually will run a usb so then you can rip stuff um but even the guys oh, i've worked wow. yeah yep Urban Outfitters, they've got loads of that stuff online. Um, but I actually have had, like, you know, guys that I used to work with when I worked at Heaven Nightclub in Adelaide, same thing. There's all these live sets. So, yeah, it's just cool, man. Like, it just brings back all of this, you know, feeling and you discover all this new stuff. 
Um, yeah. So other than making me feel really old right now, um, what do you li- <laughs> yeah. what do you, what do you like to listen to? Like what's what's on your playlist and what do you you know listen to when you're not making tunes? Um, not music, but I started listening to podcasts a lot since lock in, just inspirational podcasts and stuff like that, okay. and to learn a lot. Yep. Um, which has been really good. So that's taken up a lot of my time, but also those nineties mixes has been a big influence and actually been listening to a lot of them. So like actually dog Martin, Mike Farina, all yep. those kind of like um, even old school, what was it? It was like, Oh God, I can't remember. But um, even old techno ones just, and just kind of like trying to find these old mixes and sounds and try to like put them into our music. So kind of trying not to listen to too much of what is out right now, apart from what, I'm releasing on the label, trying to take it back a bit and find something a bit different and get some new ideas and inspiration. Yeah. Um, there's like a really good YouTube thing with all these old mixes and there's a good SoundCloud one as well. I can send you the links. I can't remember off, off the top yeah, of my we head. Can. I've always got tunes going. and I Mr. Always... C, he's got some really good old ones. Uh, oh cool. my God. Yeah. Amazing. Very cool. Um, what kind of podcast do you like? So you said that you go for the inspirational clients. Are there any that really yeah. are gelling with you? Oh, my favorite is Atomic Habits. And also I'm just listening to Limitless right now, which is really good. Limitless is good. Um, amazing. Um, what else? Um, Outliers wasn't too bad. Tools of Titans, absolutely one of my favorites. I've still got so many to do. Obstacle is the way is all right. I feel like sometimes you listen to one and then it kind of bleeds into the other one. Yeah, uh, yep. So like I, some people like have really favorite ones, but that's probably because they've listened to different or read different ones in different orders. Yeah. Um, start with why was an absolute beast. I think one of my favorite ones that I never really hear anyone recommend, which I loved was the way of the peaceful warrior by Dan Millman. Oh, that's cool. a be- beautiful. Yeah. It's really lovely. Um, there's a, a guy called Rob Dial. Um, yep. and he's called the mindset mentor. He's amazing. Like he just does like snippets, 10 or 12 minutes. Oh, and, like, that's good. Every now and then I'll just like put one on and it like, and I will pick them randomly and it just always works out. Well, obviously I've attracted it and that's what's yeah. going to come to me, but it's like exactly what I need for that moment and day. And I'm like, Oh, thanks man. Oh, like, yeah. The synergies are really good. So, and I think podcasts certainly are the way of the future. Like people want yeah. content. Um, I always was told that, um, I write a lot and that's like my passion yeah. and, and my creative outlet. And, you know, um, we're chatting about Paul, my good friend, Paul Strange before he'd always yeah. say to me, Chrissy, you know, you've always got something awesome to say. He goes, but I don't freaking read all of that. He's like, do a <laughs> podcast. And when I'm posturing, I can listen to it. And I was like, okay, fair enough. Like, that's a really good point. So I've only just started reading. Like I put it, I put aside 25 minutes a day to read an actual book because I've never ever i've always read a page and forget what i've read and now i'm like yep. i've learned you know limitless obviously has all those techniques and yep. so i put my phone away i don't have any distractions and i set myself uh, an alarm on my watch i'm just like hey siri yep. put an alarm on in 25 minutes and i'll like because i've got that kind of start and finish of um, yes. i know that i'm only reading for so long i actually <laughs> really get into it and yeah. then i'm kind of happy when i'm done and then now i'm even reading before i go to bed which i just never would have done before yeah that's amazing are there any other um you know, obviously habits and routines and rituals. Are there any others that you have in your life that you find help? Yeah, definitely. Just that, um, I think what I've been trying to do, which has been really good, is just do like that 1% rule, like in Atomic Habits, I stole that from. And the Pomodoro um, technique, which I stole from Limitless, is basically just 25 minute intervals. So I'll play bass guitar for 25 minutes every single day. And once it's done, I mark it off my streaks app. Then I'll play piano for 25 minutes. 
um, and I'll mark that off my streaks app, read, um, exercise. I've got like basically five or six different things that I do every single day. And they're yep. all on that, basically just this app on your watch and you just, it gives you reminders. You just put in 12 yep. different, 12 different tasks yep. and like just organization. And I think I've probably spent like a year just learning how to be organized. And now that I'm organized, I'm just like, like you always yep. have people that you work with that are like, Oh, I'm so busy. I'm so, so busy. And then you end up doing twice as much of them during that whole 24 hour period and you're half as stressed because you just organized. Like I'm so, you know, I don't think it's like people always talk about how busy, busy they are, but I think it's more important to talk about what you actually get done. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Busy is a terrible word. Um, I yeah, I'm the same. And I'm like, and I power through things and like our company like smash shit out and there's lists and checklists and routines and habits. Um, another one you do, yeah. um, I wanted to talk to you about was the Wim Hof method. Um, yeah. so I know what it is, but can you explain to our listeners what it is and how it benefits you? Yeah. So Wim is a Dutch, Dutch guy and he's basically been practicing and learning techniques for mindfulness for like, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30 years. His wife committed suicide and he had to raise his kids by himself. Wow. And so he ended up developing this technique called the Wim Hof method, which is his name. Um, and basically he found out, I don't know how exactly he did it. It was just through trial and error, but cold exposure, like that bare cold exposure, getting outside without any shoes or socks and just exposing yourself to those elements back to nature, back to the raw form. It actually strengthens you and builds your immune system. So a lot of people will be like, take a jumper. You're going to get a cold. But actually if you spent 10 to 15 minutes doing cold exposure, every morning, have a hot shower afterwards, whatever, um, mm -hmm. you build up that immunity and you're actually, the nerve endings are getting used to the cold. So that's the one side of it, which is um, building up the immunity and your immune system. The second side is the breathing technique, which is kind of like, <laughs> you're just breathing in and out quite, quite heavily, all the way in, all the way out for yep. about 40 to 50 breath cycles. Um, you can even start to feel slightly dizzy and then you hold your breath and um, you'll find that most people without any practice, their first round, they can hold their breath for between one minute to two minutes. Wow. The longest I've gone is two and a half minutes. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> That's awesome. And um, the level of clarity you feel after doing three or four rounds of that. He also involves like um, yoga and stretching and a whole bunch of other things. But if you just take it down to the absolute basics and even just do a cold shower every morning for one minute, 30 seconds, doesn't have to be, you don't have to go yep. over the top and just do the breathing techniques. I, I mean, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I'm so tired. I could have a nap. And if I just sit down and do these breathing techniques in the afternoon, I'm my headache's gone, I'm clear, yeah. and I can kind of like go back to what I was doing. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Like there's, there's, there's so many things out there. Um, and really you're giving your body and your brain um, all these tools to operate at its, its absolute best. Like, you know, this is yeah, why you, we can get things done. With the breathing, you like just fill your body with oxygen and out and it just becomes alkaline and you're just so oxygenated. You just do not need to breathe. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just, yeah, it's an amazing feeling. Like I feel like it's just like doing nangs or something, but you don't have to <laughs> you actually, instead of causing damage to your brain, you're uh, repairing it and making it healthier. And yeah. You're, you're <laughs> so trying to help. If, somebody if you're into nangs, try it. <laughs> Replace with this. Um, <laughs> yes. So um so talk to us about um what's what would you say has been your favorite gig to date promoters don't get upset <laughs> i think my favorite gig is probably i've done it three times is your paradise fiji 
my yeah. I'm not with them anymore, but we're still kind of like, well, things have just kind of taken a break with Corona, but Audio yeah. Packs, two of my managers, uh, mm-hmm. partnered with Swerve and a couple other people to put on this amazing festival in Fiji. And yeah. not only has it been my favorite gigs to play, I do about three or four gigs over the period of the four, four days, but just actually spending time with friends and people in the industry, it's just the best. Yeah. Um, I've made so many good connections and um, just solidified otherwise um relationships that are just kind of online um you know in person like with dorley like you know we're starting our own record label together with with with, um destructo we've got our own band um you know miguel campbell who's someone that i talk to every week now and that was you know hanging out in fiji and all that sort of stuff that helped you know one of our one of our team members mel do you know melissa oh she was like yes of course yeah cool from so she works and does a bit of stuff for us so um, yeah. we were getting like massive She'll probably have over. bad stories about me. No one asked her. Um, Don't ask her about me. <laughs> um, but no, she, like, we had massive FOMO when she was over there because she says the same thing. Yeah. It's without a doubt one of the most amazing experiences. The vibe, super awesome. Um, and, like, I know that they did heaps of uh, charity work, you know, post-festival yeah. for the community. Like, it's yeah. just... Planting really... trees. And yeah. I, I can't say I was involved in that, but... yeah. Uh, I would have done a bit. <laughs> I think I was too no, It's so cool though. Like I just think it's really uh, a really nice ethos um, yeah. to give something back. So I am not a fan of the short set times. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, sometimes I see lineups at festivals um, and events and I get it right. Like put as many people onto the lineup, leverage their social media, yeah. sell tickets, their friends will come. Like I work in marketing. I get it. But it pisses yeah. me off under. Um what would you say, like, for people to really get the Colour Castle experience and the vibe, um, what's your ideal set time? Yeah, cool. I mean, if I have it my way and the way I'd love to run my sets is when I have my co-producer, Casper, actually play with me. Yep. We played for three hours nonstop, back-to-back at 161, at one, yes. the rooftop at 161, when I, I threw a party up there. And, like, actually physically, like, set-wise, that was probably one of my most favourite sets it, um, you know, we only had, you know, it was like on a public holiday and we were battling other massive events. Um, but, you know, we still had quite a nice little gathering of people up there. And yeah, that was just to me, like, that's the ideal thing. So anywhere from probably one and a half hours to three hours. But yeah. if I'm playing with Casper, then it has to be like three hours. Because <laughs> yeah. we just get into a groove after a while. Yeah, he's just like, he's... He's phenomenal. He just has this Mac mini set up and he just has his keyboard and he brings like actual Moog synthesizers and yeah. he's just got the whole control panel. He uses his phone to change levels. Like his cool. phone is the stream for his Mac mini. So he doesn't even have a laptop or anything. It's just, oh, wow. it's just like, he's so well set up. And it's, I like, I prefer doing that than saying playing back to back with another DJ or even playing yeah. by myself. Um, we yeah. did a pretty fun set with Dolly though. It was me, Casper and Dolly. And me and Dolly were playing back to back and Casper was playing live on top that was really cool yeah so yeah i think it depends on a few things but i haven't really experienced short set times in a while probably i can't even actually <laughs> the shortest set time i had was no one's fault but i flew to new zealand for a gig and it was at this massive race course i can't remember the name of the town because it's just like some really random town two hours outside yeah. of auckland and i got there and as I got there, pretty much hell opened and it was the biggest amount of rain you've ever seen oh, wow. in your life. So if you can, if you can imagine Melbourne Cup Day, yeah, everyone's there. It's like huge. Like there's 5,000 people at this race day. It's like Melbourne Cup Day in New Zealand. 
everyone drenched. I rock up, I played for 15 minutes and stopped. <laughs> and I flew all the way to New Zealand. There was oh no after party. There was nothing. <laughs> what do you do? Yeah. You're just like, is that it? Like, I was just like, fuck. <laughs> do I still I get like, paid? What? Like, what happens? Do I have to give Luckily, you yes. Yeah, wicked. Um, talk to us about Hot Sundays. So, you know, you've got your own yep. label now and... Um, what's the vision for that? You know, has it changed? Uh, what's coming up? What can we expect? I think um, I've always started the label for the same reason, but as I've like listened to and read more books, like Start With Why by Simon Sinek and that sort of thing, which, and you know, like just different business books, it's made me really think about what the culture of Hot Sunday Records is. And so I wrote up a new bio and write up and it's really specific to what our culture is and, and mm-hmm. what I'm trying to achieve. And I think um, the little artist hub we have reflects that as well. And basically the whole point of Hot Sunday is it's a record label by an artist for artists. We're doing this because um, we want to support artists. We're not trying to make a quick buck off anyone. It's not to rip anyone off. It's like not just music, but people that I'm passionate about. Um, and, you know, it's building everyone together. So yeah. all of our contracts are, are fair deals. We're not taking uh, anything extra you know you won't find yeah. anyone with a more fair deal um out there some other people have taken on the same philosophy and do great deals as well yeah um, which is awesome to see uh, we're not the only ones out there but definitely before hot sunday was about most people had you know at least a three release deal they took your publishing they wanted uh a, you know 70 percent of the record split and we we only do a song by song we only take 50 yeah. percent. we don't take any publishing yeah. And um, we confirm all costs with our artists. There's no nasty little secrets or surprises in there. So it's, yeah, cool. it's very much on a basis of if I want to work with you and you want to work with me, we're going to work together. Yeah. And um, people that people that we all just like each other. Like, I think we've had that little Facebook group on there since like start of lock-in. And, you know, we haven't had a negative comment in there. Everyone's really positive. Everyone's been offering their time to do YouTube videos. Well done, man. Do you know how bitchy the scene is and can be at times? (laughs) Like, it's just, it's refreshing to hear that. Um, You know, it it should be everybody helping each other. And, you know, like everyone, you know, as creatives, it's hard enough as it is. Like, why throw shade at other people um, or get shitty because they got signed and you didn't like... Just be happy yeah. that everyone's putting out great music and, you know, you're connecting and collaborating with cool people. Um, yeah. And I, I think people, like, forget... People forget the whole reason we're doing this and it's, like, the whole reason you're meant to be making music is to be having fun. It was, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, maybe I'm getting ahead here, but we were talking before about perfectionism and, like, finishing yep. tracks and it just reminds me of, like, you know, the reason we make music is to have fun and we kind of like don't have that whole perfectionism thing. We'll just make a track. And if it, we're like, if we like it, we're like, we're not going to overthink it. We're just going to like yeah. mix it, master it. Yeah. Klaus Hill does all our mixing and mastering. He's fantastic. And if he gives Klaus us a ticket approval and we're happy with it, you know, not every song is going to be a hit single. Yeah. And, you know, some people don't like the fact that we're releasing a track every two weeks. And it's like, well, you know what? We're doing it because it makes us happy. And that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. And you know what? <laughs> I think it's fucking awesome because every two weeks there's tunes coming out and I'm like, sweet, what's going on? Like, I think it's, yeah. I think it's great. And you know, you, you, you've obviously got people that like your music and even if they don't, like you said, you're doing it because it brings you guys joy. Um, you know, yep. keeps you, you know, doing the things. Um, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So is it often just, 
crazy ideas throwing around, you know, here's a top line, you know, maybe we've got a vocalist, like just all really organic, quite under wild. Yeah. That what there is absolutely no method. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like just as an example, we had a track that we did with Dolly with mm-hmm. this vocalist from the nineties. He, we wanted to clear the sample. So he approached her and she's like, Oh, I'm out of contract. You can have this. And so we're doing oh, wow. the track with her. And I'm like, hey, have you got any other records? And um, she goes, oh, I put up this album and stuff for at least you can have any song on there, you know, just feature me. And so yeah. me and Casper started working on this track. Dolly's like, oh, I think it's a bit too kind of like um, poppy for the project with Singo that we're doing. And I'm like, oh, all right, we'll use it for Colour Castle. Yep. So within a week, we got this vocal. We'd um, done a few little sessions on it. Casper and I wrote this track. Ramon actually, super mini, bless yep. his soul. He's, I sent it to him and he's like, send me the parts now. I'm going to mix and master this for you today. <laughs> I love it. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, just send it to me. And he even jumped on a Zoom with us because he's just like this mad scientist producer. He's like we next level. He, just like he's got just some of the cleanest, nicest production in Australia, if not the world. And, um, and he's like one of the nicest people ever. Definitely. Like the nicest people. <laughs> and yeah, so within a week, we basically got this email with this vocal. We've written this track. It's been mixed and mastered and it's already, you know, I haven't even done the artwork yet, but I probably wow. could send it off to distributors. So like, that was a great example of like in between, you know, my studio's not even set up. I just, we just yeah. did have headphones and sometimes it's that quick. And then the um, other times, like the track Feel the Sun, um, that was over three years. We had a, wow. a, we had a chorus for it and we had the track kind of done, but we didn't have any verses. And it wasn't until maybe 12 months ago that we found someone to help with writing the verses because I don't write lyrics yeah. well. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so we find, and then Damon, who sung it, he did the chorus with um, another guy called New Haven, and, and we just couldn't quite work it out. Anyway, long story short, it took three years, and we finally yeah. got it done. And, um, you know, like, it's funny how long that song took, and I thought that track really had a lot of commercial appeal with Spotify. It's like two minutes, 30 long, very vocally. Yep. Damon just sounds amazing. And, yeah, like, we that. put that out, and that's, like, kind of, like, slowly ticking away a couple of thousand streams between Apple Music and Spotify. Nothing crazy. But yeah. there's another track called Joy, which we basically wrote in a day. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, like, almost on 100,000 100, streams. Both of them yeah. are released within, like, two weeks. And I'm like, you just don't know what's going to happen anymore. <laughs> yeah. So talk to me about Spotify. So is there money to be yeah. made there? And is it a, a real, like, so people like me who don't understand that side of things. Yeah. Um, you know, I know from my friends who are musicians and artists and producers, like a couple of them have like playlists set up that are just looping their songs all the time to get loops up. Oh my God. (laughs) Or or their friends to play them. But like, can you talk to us a little bit about it from your perspective? I don't think it's worth the time to do something like that because you're probably going to go out on the weekend and buy a bag or something like, (laughs) just don't, don't waste any unnecessary money and you're going to make yep. more money than trying to do a click stream or whatever with yep. Spotify. It's unrealistic to expect much of an income. I think what DJs and producers need to do is have a sustainable income and lifestyle through other means. Yep. And then if you do make money off Spotify and something big comes through, that's like a bonus, you know, go and buy, yep. go and use that money. If it does come in to buy a new car or something, if it, if it happens, but yep. it's, it's like buying a lottery ticket. Like, you know what I mean? I would not rely on it. It's not feasible. What's marketing um, really? Isn't it? it's, it's, it's it's a you probably spend more money on Spotify. Yeah, you probably spend more money on streaming platforms trying to get onto playlists and advertising than you would make back on the actual sales. So yeah. and where you make the money is the gigs. So yeah. 
you know, the incentive behind having a big track on a streaming platform is to be able to tour off of it. Um, so at my level, not really, no. I, yep. I would make more money off like TrackSource or Beatport and it's yep. still not enough to... It's not yeah. enough to like pay rent or anything like that. Yeah. So everyone listening out there, like <laughs> you still need to have another job or yeah, oh. don't be disheartened if you're not getting like a bazillion strings. No, all the money I spent this year on plugins is double what I make on royalties. So yeah, it's just, it's like the way I'm kind of making a little bit of cash now is doing a few lessons here and there. And it's like, yep. that's, and I enjoy, and I do enjoy that. And it's just like little, yep. little lessons and then, those other little things. And I feel like it's always the things that aren't the passion project that fund the passion project. And then yeah. like most people that I've seen in the industry, they kind of like push their passion project for 10 years. And then one yeah. day overnight, something will blow up and everyone's like, Oh, I've never heard of them before. And it's like, yeah, yeah, man. Ten, ten, doing it. 10 years of work into like one overnight success kind of thing. Yeah. And I think as well, and I, yeah, for sure. And I think as well, like, you know, um, it's about being consistent and being out there and it's about how venues or brands and that can then package you up to then sell to punters. Like, yeah. you know, there are so many shitty DJ buyers out there um, <laughs> and I end up rewriting them. I'm like, cause they're not up to date or, you know, they're not putting the artist forward in the best light. Yeah. Um, you know, like. It's the same you know, story as every other one. Yeah. And like, even the photos, like, we used to take the piss all the time because everyone's DJ photos would be like in front of a brick wall or like squatting down or like they're just so predictable. Whereas I yeah. think people want connection. Like I would much rather go and see you if I knew that you read a book 25 minutes a day, you were doing yeah. off and like, you know, you had two dogs. Like I'm like, Oh, well, that's I think it's, I think the way things are now is people want to be, have relatable stuff. People want real people. Yeah. You know, the whole influencer thing has kind of died off. Like, you know, the, the influencers and models that started Instagram are still going to be there. They'll always be there. But any yeah. new influencers or anything to break through is really hard. But mm. if you're a real person doing real things and you actually have, like, that culture and business model and actually, like, authenticity, then I think people will definitely follow that. Yeah. Um, especially put, now. And you put heaps of memes up and dogs yeah. and stuff on your socials. <laughs> like, do you find they get better engagement than like your music stuff? Yeah, definitely. It depends. Yeah. It's, I think big announcements are really, um, like get a lot of engagement. Um, mm -hmm. I'd say probably it depends. Yeah. Sometimes like you, some posts surprise you with, with um, like music, but I think probably a lot of, um, I get more people that would be like, hey, I heard your track off release radar or, hey, by the way, your song's in this Spotify playlist. I think that's where people probably more engage and find the music and then they'll let me know that they've found it. Whereas yeah. people are less likely to probably click on a link of my track and even listen to it. Like yeah. it's, it's kind of weird like that. People, If people are on Instagram, they're not on Instagram to find music. So I do definitely yeah. think that it doesn't make as much sense. Whereas they're on Instagram to look at funny memes or dogs. So yeah. <laughs> it's all kind of relative like, um, yeah. I've got to try a few of those Spotify ads that have been recommended to me, but definitely when Spotify and Apple music put you in the editorials or you get in those big playlists, that's when it's connecting with people. And then you see that search. So you can kind of go, Oh, okay. This is kind of where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously there's a massive car on club gigs and parties and stuff. <laughs> um, I don't even know if we're going to see new year's Eve, anything where that's usually massive. Um, you, what would you say would be, um, you know, your dream gig 
tomorrow if we could reopen and go and play, where would you want to go and play? Yeah, I don't know. I think like it'd definitely be somewhere like maybe it'd be in Melbourne or Sydney because I'd want to see all my mates. <laughs> yeah. So I think so, like yeah, one at like I don't know like. Is yeah, it like I, a grimy think, three AM set? Is it like nah, a, a, a sunset <laughs> on the harbour kind of vibe? Like what would what would the return be? I'd love if everyone was free. I'd love to do Glass Island in Sydney during the day, which yep. I've done before, and get all my yep. mates on it. And I've flown back to Melbourne the same day and played at one six one. So yeah. maybe maybe that in succession. Okay. Uh, maybe two gigs, two states, but the same day. We've got we've got it all within sixteen hours. Okay, that's pretty so cool. Glass Island and one six one. Okay, cool. So when things reopen, I'm gonna be like, hey man, like, yeah. <laughs> let's do the tour. It's happening. Yeah. Um, who would you say have been some of your favourite artists to collaborate with? So obviously, Dawley's one of them. Yep. Um, are there any up? Probably all of them. Like you said, I'm just assuming you work with cool people. Um, yeah. But have you like fanboyed out? Like, holy shit, I love so and so, and now I'm working with them. Have you had? Any of those moments? Yeah, definitely um, working with uh, like Dolly and then now um, Destructo has kind of joined our little Masingo band and like we get on a Zoom once a week and G- Gary Destructo, he's just like telling us about who, he, who he's working with. Like, I mean, I'm like fanboying through him, but he's like, <laughs> it's like just, he just shows us his track and he's like, oh yeah, cool. I was just in the studio with Thundercat, Channel Trays and Ty Dollar Sign and here's yeah. the track and you're like, holy shit. And then he's like, oh, here's another track and He's like, oh, he, Ty had his mate sing on this, but he's actually thinking maybe Justin Timberlake would be better. And I'm just like, what the fuck? So it's like, definitely like, it kind of blows my mind to see what kind of world he's in in America. I think like yep. in LA, everything's just so different. But um, my favorite people to work with weekly, I love working with Casper. Like he's just, mm. he's my favorite person to work with. And he's, I work with him every day. He's yep. just like the night. He's like R- Ramon Supermini or Barry yep. King, another person I work with daily. Who's just like they're just so nice. Like there's never been an argument, and like his just perspective is so good. So just generally by being around these people, yep. um, I become a better person. So like, yeah, um, Supermini, Barry King, and Casper, they're top top three for sure yep. because I probably work with them the most and. Um, it's just such a positive relationship there's yeah there's you know even if there's a difficult conversation it's done over zoom and there's never yeah. any there's never even anything to ha- ever have had a grudge about but i assume if anything happened that we'd get over it pretty quickly yeah um is there anyone on your wish list that you'd like to collaborate with yeah definitely vocalists like um a, a lot of big vocalists um we had Yolanda Quarterly on Love Addict. I'd love to work with her again. She's kind of gone yep. off house music, which sucks, but uh, I loved her voice. We've been lucky enough to find this um, this, this singer from the UK who's, I'm not going to name her yet because I want people to, um, I don't want anyone to jump on and try and use it. <laughs> <laughs> don't steal uh, my and, <laughs> and she's, she is so nice. She's such a dream. She's like really polite. Like she's, you know, middle age, but, she was doing heaps in the nineties, keeps releasing music, and just the way she writes emails and stuff, you're just like, oh, she's just a lovely person. It's not a diva <laughs> like some of the house oh. house vocalists have been known to have been in the bars. Yeah, and Damon Truitt's another one who you know he, he's um, been around for a while. He's done tracks in the nineties, like Jay Barner mm-hmm. was listening to a track we did with Damon Truitt because we've done three tracks with him now, and he's like, you're working with Damon Truitt? He goes, I loved his track in. Um, in the, you know, it was like a 90s track or something. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit, how did you know him? And, so, and he's another one who's just like above and beyond, just 
amazing okay. to work with. It's just so nice. Yeah. I'm not a good vocalist, so I can't, <laughs> I can't, I always joke with my friends because like one of my friends, Boswell, so obviously Ronnie's a Yeah, well, Ronnie done, he did on fire. Yeah, yep. Yeah. He's got such great scope, like he can sound like, you know, uh, a soulful, oh. you know, black woman or he can yeah. sound like, you know, a man, like, and he'll send yeah. me like a stuff. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, right. he, he sends me stuff he's working on. I'm like, is that you? Like, and he's like, yeah, man. I'm like. What? What's the project he's doing with Friendless at the moment, Chris Arnott? They were uh, like a... Oh, shit. He'll kill I, me. I forget the name of it, but it's amazing. Because Chris Saint, Arnott's a, a fantastic singer. Is it St. Christopher and Shade? And Shade? Yeah? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. I saw their YouTube videos and I was like, oh, my God. So good to see. Like, both of them singing and bouncing off yes. each other. And Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, they're cool. I've actually got Ronnie on um, in a couple of weeks. So we'll, oh, beautiful. Yeah, go through that with him. Man, the man of many aliases, Boswell, Dirty Harry, Ronnie Harrianto. He's got like... He was like um, you know, he was like a number one, like, charting artist in Indonesia and like a heartthrob and <laughs> did like these running on the beach love story rapping videos. Okay, we got photos of this because I need them. <laughs> and then, dude, we always pay out Ronnie um, and like the super close zooms on like Facebook and Insta. And, I need um, this in my life. How do I not know this? I'll add you to the group. Um, yes. Yes, there's a group. But like that's, I've met Ron um, when he played um, at Goldfish for Martini Club. Um, yes. and he like, and we were chatting before and you were, yeah. were also a ring in for goldfish as well. Um, yeah. on the Sunday nights with Martini club. what do you think? Yeah. I love that. I, um, I thought in the Paz, beautiful yeah. man. Um, and yeah, that's, so the reason I knew Martini club is cause they played in early beach constantly. So Mark Olson and, yep. uh, and Will and, and sloth and all those guys. Mm-hmm. So they were up there and, uh, Mama Megs was up there as well. Oh, um, yes. Who was Andre? Yeah, Dre yep. was up there, uh, and so that they came up and they did the Hamilton Island um, festival. And I remember the funniest story you want to hear. Mark Olson was crowd was about to crowd surf off the stage, <laughs> and he turned his back and did this whole Jesus thing and like fell backwards, and no one caught him, and he fell <laughs> right into the ground. <laughs> How funny! Stuck that Mark Olson. <laughs> and um, so, but Mark Olson gave me oh yeah, he gave me my first gigs in Sydney. And cool. I played played with them quite a few times at Goldfish, and um, I did a few functions with them as well, sound system gigs. Yeah, wicked. Um, I remember before I started working at Goldfish, we would just go on a Sunday night because um, it was just the best sesh um, or the yeah. hospital night out. And then working there, and then like you'd think, well, okay, I work here now, it's going to change. But like it was still always the best party with the best acts. And I remember leaving like some morning's dance floor at like seven, go home, have a chow, be back at nine, still drunk. I'd go pour myself, oh, they shut me out yeah. the service. I'd go and pour myself like a drink in the middle of the day because I didn't want to be like starting to yeah. have a hangover at work. So I'd just keep going. Um, yeah, it was wild. I couldn't do that anymore. Yeah. Goldfish Sundays was the best because, yeah. yeah, I was like 22 and all the strippers had the night off and I was like, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, ladies. We used to get yeah. loads of... We used to get loads of the... Uh, really high-end prostitutes coming in as well, oh. like for cocktails and drinks. There you go. <laughs> yeah, man, it was a vibe. Um, so obviously, you know, the the industry is wild. Um, you know, there's temptations there, you know, a lot of drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, you know, as we grow, we evolve. Do you feel pressure to, you know, always be drinking at gigs or partying? Like, how do you deal with all that? 
probably on the impression for myself. <laughs> uh, no, look, I think it's just one of those things where you've got to pick your battles. Like, yeah. I think I went through a stage where I did three months sober or I just, my, my, my little thing was I'm, I'm like allowed to have one drink. So I'd have like a Negroni yep. at dinner with the promoter and then maybe like yep. a shot while I'm playing. Um, and then, yeah. And then, but the thing for me is like, I stopped doing after parties. I just had to stop doing that. Yeah. Or, or what I would do is I would say, if I had my partner come up with me to the Gold Coast, we'd stay an extra day, we'd do the gig and we would just go hard, but I'd just make up for that like big night with sleep the next night. So yeah. I think that's the biggest thing for me is it's not so much that you, it's pretty easy to over party and over, overcook yourself. But yeah. what if you actually just really balance that out with a good amount of sleep or if you just pick your battles. So, yeah. you know, you don't want to drink three nights in a row, but if you do drink and have that big one night, you might get yeah. home at 5 a.m. from 161 or, or you're on the road and you do miss you that sleep. Your revs and it's just, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> Um, then okay, you you know the next week you don't do anything on Monday and you sleep on yep. Monday and you make kind of try and make up for that. So yeah, I think like the people that do it well and do it right kind of like train for touring and they yeah yeah you mentally prepare yourself. You know how to battle and combat um, lack of sleep and you know when to call it a night and you just can't go too hard and you definitely need to sleep every night. Like I don't think I've had it a night that I haven't slept in a long time. Like I always yeah. go to sleep. So I wonder how everyone's going to like be when we go back to actually Oh my God. Scene. Everyone will be like, can you book my gigs in the afternoon? I only do like, you know, 3 p.m. sets now. Like, <laughs> I think people are going to be out for three weeks straight. <laughs> yeah, no sleeping. It's going to be wild. <laughs> yeah, gonna be um, wild. Everyone's going to be 18 again. Yeah, God. Um, so you share quite openly um, your diagnosis with bipolar. Um, yep. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and if that's made you uh, reevaluate things? Do you ch have you changed some of uh, you know the balance and the well-being yeah. things around it? Can you just give us a bit of a, a rundown? Yeah, it's definitely changed how I live my life, and um, it's definitely put everything into perspective of what I need to do to basically the 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 big goal and the number one thing now is like mental health and happiness. Yep. And because um, I know the happier I am, the more stable my mood is, the more happy the people around me are, the more yep. happy the people that I work with are, more gets done because it's just easier. There's less issues and problems. So yep. um, I learned a lot of tools and techniques by seeing a doc doctor and then psychiatrist, psychologist. And I basically just put all those tools and techniques uh, into practice over a period of two years. And I feel like I'm probably really getting getting here now. Yep. Um, I think Corona was like a blessing and a curse. It really threw everything into perspective, but it also forced a hand. So yep. it's like, I couldn't keep living in St. Kilda um, because I couldn't keep paying rent. Basically, you know, that's fi financial stress is one of the number one biggest stresses ever. And you don't even need to have a mental illness to be like yep. absolutely depressed from financial stress. That's just like a normal thing. Yeah, normal. So the first thing when Corona happened is to like eliminate that financial stress. So moving in with family mm -hmm. and now I'm in second time I've moved with family again. So I think it, Corona has gone to show that work isn't everything um, yep. and, and everything. It just reiterates how mental health is everything. doesn't matter what's going on in the world right now, as long as you're, you can find a way to be happy then yeah. everything will be all right. So yeah. I actually think I'll probably be out in the country for a couple of years now. I don't think I'm going to move back yeah, cool. into the thick of it. I think I'll be out here for a while. I, I love the fact that I don't have to pay rent. Like, I think it's yeah. really awesome. I never, you know, I've lived yeah. out of home since I've been 17. It's over, it's 12 years of paying rent. I've probably spent a million dollars on rent. Or I don't know, yeah. 
couple hundred thousand at least um, yep. and utilities and all that sort of stuff. Probably could have bought my own house if I did it this at the start. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think basically the biggest, to get back to the mental health thing is mm. I kind of got forced into seeking help. Mm. I, I had no other choice. It was either just going to get way worse or it had to get better. Yep. And obviously I saw, men, I saw a psychiatrist was diagnosed and then started putting all those tools into place. The tools were sleeping eight hours a night and yep. trying to get sleep. That was the biggest problem for me is because my moods would change dramatically uh, certain parts of the week. And usually after the weekend on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that's when yep. I, I'd get either manic depressant or elevated. Yep. So just doing what we talked about before and being really strategic with, with meetings, being really strategic with studio time. If I am flying to Sydney in the morning, playing Glass Island, flying back to Melbourne, playing one six one the same night, then that Sunday and Monday, I don't have any studio sessions booked. Yep. I don't have any plans. I might do something fun, like I haven't have a beer with friends next door in St Kilda, but then I'll sleep really well. And um, yep. that was the biggest lifestyle change, saying no to things. Yep. Um, getting a really good, healthy schedule. Um, eating a little bit better was a lot better as well. Yep. And a little bit of exercise daily, whether it's just walking the dogs or something. The dogs are, are great for... Um, yep. positive mental health because it's kind of like you get that bit of exercise without having to really think about doing exercise you just walk yep. um, and then yeah just that grounding yourself like a little bit of meditation probably a, a meditation isn't necessarily for everyone Yeah. what I found is the, the Wim Hof which we spoke about earlier for me mm. I, it's more practical I like doing something Yeah. but also um, I mentioned this to another friend John Vivaki on YouTube which is what Ramon suggested to me He's a really good meditation coach um, and he, he, he teaches at a university in Canada, in Toronto. So if you go onto YouTube and check out John Vivaki and mm -hmm. he actually teaches you how to sit and he has really great insight into mental health, uh, into meditation and how you're kind of meant to meditate. Oh, there's a lot of great apps out there, yeah. but they don't actually teach you how to sit. They don't teach you about your monkey mind. They don't teach you about when a thought pops into your head. All you need to do is label it thinking, yeah. um, contemplating wishing all these okay. different labeling words and so yeah. that actually yeah i think a lot of people find it really hard because they haven't been taught how to do it and that's probably most things in life yeah so sleep meditation a little bit of exercise saying no to things and moderation which comes back down to the lifestyle partying i still yeah. have a beer every now and again and i yeah. love spending time with my friends and having having a bit of fun um obviously like the lack of sleep thing is what can cause mental illnesses. So if people are doing, you know, amphetamines, that's not good. That's yeah. going to ruin your sleep. And that's why a lot of people um, have mental illnesses from years and years of partying mm -hmm. because they never slept for, they've just been in a revolver for four years or something, <laughs> or, uh, you know, they just haven't, they haven't actually let their mind recover. And even yeah. um, I, I think what, stuffed me up from a young age is not like going to bed really, really late and then getting up really early. And yeah. even as a teenager, I didn't sleep. And yeah. um, I think that definitely had a lot to do with um, my mental illness too. Yeah. And that's why heaps of people say to me as well, because like I burn the candle at all ends and I used to party heaps yeah. and, you know, do all the things. And then, you know, it wasn't until, you know, seven years ago. And this is what pushed me to start my own business was, yeah. you know, I was tired and like looking back now, I look back and it's like my body was giving me all of these warning signs yeah. and then it was just like I was forced to stop 
and changed my pace and everything because, you know, my MS and my vision and all this. And then even yeah. Corona, like I legit had a, I legit had a nervous breakdown. Like I had yeah. to, because everything was not in my control and I'm a control freak. Yes. And definitely. Just, and I didn't know how to stop. So my brain yeah. was giving me this message of, if you stop, you will die. Like I can't, I couldn't yeah. even just sit on the yeah. couch and do nothing. Um, and yeah. I had to seek out help and, you know, call my GP yeah. and say something's wrong. I don't know how to cope with this. And yeah. it, and it's very much those, you know, coping mechanisms. Like one of my things is, you know, I anchor and I rub my finger if I start to get anxious and then that takes it away. Like, yeah. They're just all these yeah. small things that, you know, are in, in place to help us. And, you know, I always will talk about my situations and stories because I think, by us having conversations, we're then saying yeah. to other people, hey, man, like, shit isn't always awesome and that's okay and people can help you and, you know, yeah. you know, if, if we help one person by having a conversation, I think that that's important. Yeah, I, and we've just got to talk about it. Like, that's yeah. exactly right. And, um, you know, talk to your friends and family, get as much advice as you can, but, you know, at the end of the day, probably a professional is going to be your best hope. Uh, and yeah. then you can tell them anything as well. You know, it's all confidential and all that sort of thing. So I think like, yeah, yeah and it's not super expensive. If you've got Medicare, you can get, you just talk to your doctor first and you get a referral. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Yep. And you can get those, um, you know, if you do have Medicare, you can get those referrals and you get the, the 10 first. 10 pass, yeah. 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 Um, I think it's yeah, awesome. They can think- give you someone, you get like a rebate. Um, but if you also have financial difficulties, they can put you into someone who's like, yeah, dirt cheap. That's awesome. Um, what can we expect from Hot Sunday Records, Color Castle? What's going on? What are we? What can we hear coming soon? What's yeah, we've pretty much got the rest of the year um, sorted, uh, or at least okay. mapped out online. So we've got basically two releases a week from Hot Sunday Records, um, which is amazing. We've got some really big artists coming up some people we've had on before uh, and some, and some new ones. So basically check out, you can see some of our um, upcoming releases on Beatport and track source on the prayer link. Yep. And then uh, for color castle specifically, we've got a track coming out every two weeks up until December 17 when our album drops. And yep. so the album is going to be a combination of released tracks that have been filtered out this year, a couple of older ones just uh, for sentimental value mm-hmm. and uh, a couple of new ones on the date. And that's just like something that we wanted to do for a really long time. Um, and so, yeah, it's all kind of building up to that end of year thing. And then after the yep. 17th of December, we'll probably just chill it for the rest of 2020 for Colour Castle, but yep. we'll have a hot Sunday records out, music coming out. We've got, yeah, like there's just an absolute, even if you jump on the pre-order site right now, if you want to actually physically check something out, um, you can see Stefan Nichols and J&E, somebody else's guy. Pinto yep. pain reliever. Oh my god! Like I've been playing them for so long, and we just released <laughs> this loopy fiasco EP from Blake Leisurely, and it's just like we're getting amazing feedback from international DJs. Um, they're giving it five stars, and yeah, we've got some really fun stuff. Just released a Beth Yen single with Lee Wilson, um, and yeah, it's just a it's called House of Yen. It's really fun. Um, yes, it's always great to work with her. I know Beth. Everyone knows Beth. She's a- yeah, <laughs> she's amazing. Yes, awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with me and for um, yeah. getting to know you a bit more. Um, Glass Island, mate. We'll see you there when yeah. uh, <laughs> when it's what's going Yeah. As soon, as soon as I think I did see Scott saying that they're going to have plans for summer, so I don't know if I'll I be able to cross the uh, border. There's probably going to be a massive um, 
war by then. <laughs> might have to get Scott to Keeping us Mexicans out. <laughs> get the boat to pick you up. Yeah. If you made it all the way through, thanks for sticking with us. If you like what you listen to and you'd like to listen to more artist interviews and chats with people that we know, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode again. Also, follow us on Instagram. To support the artists, streaming is awesome, but buying their tunes is even better. Head over to Beatport or TrackSource, meaning that the money that you spend actually makes some of its way to the artists. Tune in next time for more stories beyond the mirror ball.